Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Comic Chronicle Podcast. I'm your host, Dakota Morgan, coming to you from Phoenix, Arizona. Today is not an episode where Gavin is joining me. Today is actually just a interview episode, believe it or not. So we have on today some really, really fun people. Uh, some of the, the workers and the writers on Planet Divok 91, in case that didn't sound familiar. It's all about, actually, COVID pandemic and storylines and of people's lives and all sorts of crazy shit that's going on in the world with it. Uh, so today we have on, coming all the way from the UK, Hannah Barry and Sarah Kenny. Uh, we talk all sorts of things with the book, coming to webtoons, turning in the comics, as well as going in and talking about science as well, and maybe using comic books to show off science and actually talk about science a little bit more. And we'll, we'll get into it. We'll get in. I don't want to butcher it. I don't want to butcher it. So welcome, folks, again. And of course, if you like what you listen to, we stay tuned for new episodes every Friday on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you guys are listening to the podcast, catch us on there. And yeah, for either interviews, aka just conversations with people from comics or as well uh little news segments called the newsroom the new thing that's been we re- just recently started and we're trying to get a hold of them do some fun things for us so stay tuned for that and of course folks yeah i'm on twitch coderx 97 twitter dakota morgan 3 and instagram at dakota underscore morgan 97 and without further ado though let's get into our talk yeah yeah jelly bean i mean it's i haven't eaten them in a while but yeah i tend to change that for a little bit um but I should say, Hannah and Sarah, it is an honor to have you here. I got I started kind of the same way with every episode, though, is it is an honor to have you here, by the way, because you guys are actually very, very ambitious people in the comic book world right now. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. T- to me, it is. To me, it is. I mean, when you're with your guys' book, I mean, go ahead and talk about it real quickly here so people may uh, recognize it or where they can go find it. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, it... it... It all started, I guess, gosh, looking back, it's like 2020. Um, 20 years ago. <laughs> it feels it. Oh, it feels yeah. it. I feel like I've aged 20 years since then, put it that way. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was kind of sitting actually at UCL chatting to um, a colleague, Bella Starling, who we were working on another project. And we were waiting to hear about the lockdown. And um, there was all the stuff on the news telling people what to do, you know, um, where to get information from and we and when the lockdown happened we we were thinking about how there's nothing really in terms of sort of hearing from young people and their voices and it was impacting them so severely so we the, the initial discussion was why don't we do some comic strips where we talk to some young people and they kind of tell us you know a bit more about what they're thinking and feeling so it started really really small and then just over time <clears throat> over sort of a couple of months we went to various funders and and it sort of scaled up um to a fully fledged exquisite corpse comic. Um, and uh, so one of the key things we wanted to do was make it participatory art. So that's sort of running workshops with young people where we bring in scientists, historians, sociologists, mm-hmm. media people, have conversations about you know, what they're thinking and feeling. And then we would feed that to the comics creators. Oh, actually, Hannah, you came to one of the sessions, didn't you, with the young people? Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I dialed in. Yeah, it was all because everything was, was remote. And uh, like it still is, but you know, it's the early days of remote dialing into things, and it felt fresh and new and exciting. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, it was. I was. I was going to say it's just really. Um, uh, it was such a nice aspect of the project to have to have all these experts because yeah, I, I don't know about anybody else, but I I feel like I work in comics. I I know pretty much everything there is to know, 
and then uh, it's nice to, to be shown that uh, actually I, I, I don't. Um, there are people who know more than me. And by the way, you can use this information that other people have and, and, and bring it into your work. So you don't have to make a complete tool of yourself. <laughs> that's so humbling to hear you have no idea in america we never hear anybody say that anymore so that's very humbling to hear well apparently in the uk we're sick of experts so um yeah that we've brought that on ourselves yeah <laughs> look at the same anyway. <laughs> oh there's I, I that i take that mentality out to heart because with you never know truly everything because when i'm not doing stuff in comics and media uh, i work in the animal field and all sorts of different aspects like a sanctuary animal ambulance Aww. So, like, trust me, because there's people even in that position who are like, oh, we know everything. Like, you know, <laughs> you never know everything. There's no way at all. What's that? Um, it's like a, a, a sort of a, a, a mental fallacy where you think you know. Oh, what's it called? I think it's you. It's cockiness. There is that, but. <laughs> that was it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Something like a, um... Oh, do you know I'm going to remember it? As soon as we finish this call, it's going to come to my mind. There's something yeah. where you think you like. It's like a syndrome where you, if you're an expert in one area, it makes you, it gives you the belief that you're an expert in all of the areas. Yeah. And oh. we can we can explain a lot of modern politics with this. Oh, I should remember what it's called. Oh, we're going to remember it when we yeah. get off. You're absolutely right. It's going to be. <laughs> it was a really good one as well. Yeah, you do come across that a lot, actually. Sort of like I, you know, I really love working with experts, but what I enjoy actually is when you talk to different experts about the same subject you will get yeah very different mm. opinions. like they're looking at the world through different lenses particularly if you're comparing scientists versus a philosopher versus a historian yep. and that was one thing we wanted to bring into the space when we were chatting to you know the young people writers was yeah. what, what do they bring to their view on this subject when they they come from a very different thought and it, it is it is interesting because i do think you're right there are there are some experts who think they can know everything but, you know yeah but i mean so you guys were really really on top of it so in the world of chaos at the time like you guys were all like hey we can actually do something with this while well, most of us had no idea what to do because <laughs> the apocalypse is happening uh, it was really Sarah, because so Sarah's a powerhouse of, of organization and planning and strategy. <laughs> yeah, the, and think like, absolutely, like that's some brain power I wish I would have had back in two years ago. Instead, <laughs> we had like no idea what was going on. It's kind of weird saying that because at the, at the time I was in, I was, I was having a bit of an epic meltdown personally because I, I was, you know, I work in telly and science engagement and I'd had contracts falling through. And I was, you know, not working on anything specific. And I was like, oh, my God. I, I, so my background science engagement and I did science communication and all that. I was like, I, I was like I've got to do something, <laughs> you know, in this. So I guess in a way it was a little bit, I think for a lot of this, it was actually quite cathartic to come together as a community of people and try and do something. And the fact was it was a, it, it wasn't like a normal project where you plan it, try and get funding and have sort of ideas about what it's going to be and then you mm -hmm. get the money and then you do it. It was really like this sort of emerging project that, that the conversations we had before, you know, funders came on board, spoke to different people, it really changed and more. Um, and I think, you know, part of it was trying to figure out how we get the young people involved even more and bring, you know, one of them came in and wrote a chapter, Polisa from South Africa. Um, and so it was, it was, I don't know, I don't feel like it was, most structured, well-organized project I've ever worked. 
the, the best things never are, though. That's the secret to anything, any art form, is that if the more structured it is, the more it's never going to be too great. But the less structured it is, the more chaotic, the more beautiful it is. I don't know what it is about it, but it's always a thing. Whether in comics and in film, like, even the best of movies, you're like, oh, it must have been so organized on set. And Spielberg, Spielberg would come out and be, oh, no, it was absolute madhouse. <laughs> it's like, you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, feel, it has like an organic feel about it. Yeah, or yeah. An, an organic chaos. Yes, yes. Um, now, to people who may not know, Sarah and Hannah, where were you guys before this project in this book, though? Where were you guys, what were you up to? Like, what? what's kind of a thing? And maybe to this day, what are you guys up to? Um, go on, Sarah, you go first. I'll go first. Yeah, yeah. So I I'd actually it was just at the end of a, a two-year fellowship, a Wellcome Trust Engagement Fellowship, which is that they're sort of like a medical charity in the UK and they at the time would were, were kind of funding people to explore ideas around health and my I was exploring stuff around comics um, and health um, and also sort of broadcast stuff so I'd spent two years basically doing a lot of research in this area so sort of looking at well, what happens when you run a workshop rather than just going hey come and draw some pictures and what happens bring scientists and artists and public into the same space how do you have a dialogue that is feels equitable in a way because i think often if you meet medical people it's in a medical situation where you get 10 minutes of their time and they're telling you really stuff and it's not an equal situation so a lot of the workshops i was running was putting surgeons in a room and of people from all sorts of different backgrounds and, and then just having conversations and seeing what came out of that and how not just it was about the audience learning stuff, it was about the surgeons and the historians and the scientists learning from the public and how it would change their practice. And we had, mm. we had loads of stuff that came out of it. So I was doing that. And then um, I, would, I was working on a couple of film projects as well. I was doing some work for the film and TV charity. I kind of have my bread and butter work, which pays the bills, which is yeah. like TV stuff. And then the comics engagement stuff is... is the dessert. It's kind yeah. of like, you know, it's, it's the stuff that you, you, you do a lot of in-kind work, should we say, on it, but it's the stuff that I really enjoy. So, um, yeah, so that's what I was doing at the time. And I was actually, I was working on another project called One Fort More, which was exploring um, community immunity, immunisation, and that we're launching that actually in November at the Ooh. Health Conference in South Africa. Very nice. Very nice. Another one with an amazing South African artist. Very cool. That so some really crazy out there. Great work is what I'm hearing. It's quite intimidating, to be honest. Yeah, a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> Damn. Well, I just make comics. Hannah, you on a paper. Hannah was co co did. Tell them about your graphic medicine project, Hannah. Uh, well, yeah, actually, this the, which I got through Sarah. Funnily enough, um, I've just been working with. Uh, um, a group of medics and uh, academics on this this uh, shame in medicine project, and they were trying to to find a way to um, uh, to illustrate shame in a in a sort of a, in a in a narrative format in a way that that can be understood by other doctors. I think the, the whole the whole idea behind the project was to use shame as a way of you know as a way of learning as a doctor and going forwards, and not as a way to self-flagellate and then just quit because it's you know because you've failed as a human being and um and I, I think I, I got this job because I told them I feel ashamed all, all the time anyway so I, I you know I, I get it I understand I mean I'm, my mistakes might not lead to death but I do feel a lot of shame and um 
so yeah, the, the, I, I worked on this comic and it's um, uh, based on the, the uh, this, this uh, doctor's account. Um, uh, oh God, her name has gone from my brain. Okay, I'll stick it, I'll, I'll remember that as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my, oh, Olivia Davis, Dr. Olivia Davis, it's her, her mm. story when she was a trainee. And um, not to not to brag or anything, it's, it's just been published in the New England Journal of Medicine. <laughs> oh, just, you know what? Another, we'll start, I'll be clapping for both of you guys because those are both huge accomplishments. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I think, I think it's brilliant. I think more, more um, academics should work with um, comic artists, comic writers to, to kind of share their work. And it's one of the yes. things I really, I really, really, you know, want to sort of push and encourage more because I think, they're so complicated, these papers and the jargon, and, and, and it's it's just not necessary, I think. And it is hard to make complex ideas simple. It is really hard, but I think yeah. scientists should be working with artists, writers, because actually most, most of this work is funded by us, right? Most of us, you know, our taxes pay for yeah. you know, a lot of this sort of grant funded work. So I really think that it should be unlocked more in, yeah. in a way that and they I understand it and use it. Yeah, and, and it would be nice if uh, comics was funded. <laughs> yes. Oh, boy, that's preaching to a big choir right there. It's <laughs> a huge... Ooh. <laughs> well, I mean, that's it's absolutely true, though, and that's why when I had the chance and I was reached out to to have you guys on the show, I was like, absolutely, because I, that's what I love about it, and I love that idea, and it's you're starting to see more of it, is artists with in comics and science. I well, paleo art's a big part of it. I, I've, as I follow paleontology a lot. I used to work in a fossil oh. lab here in the States. So, you know, I really, really enjoy Like, if that's how, like, they're like, oh, the skeleton. But then you put paleo art to it, and it changes everybody's mood on everything. Like, the people look at a skeleton, and they have no idea what it means, what's going on. But then when you do the artwork of it, that changes a whole mood, a whole mindset. It gets more people involved. But so mm. when you do that with projects, of sci any science project, yeah. No matter biology or psychology, but absolutely right. Like the more you do with art, the more people it reaches, I think. Yeah, and I think it's really interesting you say that, particularly about the paleontology stuff, because if you look back historically, like we were less, we, the sort of the arts and the scientists were less separated. And so you had like sort of Darwin, you know, had quite flawed writing style and other yeah. sort of scientists would, would do beautiful drawings to go with their work. And I think it was sort of around, you know, the, the early 1900s you had this this sort of desperation of science to try and remove the person even from the um the science papers so it wasn't i did this or i observed that or i saw that the idea is they changed the language to make science feel more objective and so mm, you, uh, I thought of that. Yeah, if you look back at the history of art stuff it's really interesting by removing the person it makes science feel really really objective of course it's not it's still mm. a person observing and doing these things but before that people scientists would write about what they'd I observed this and I saw this and as soon as you got that that sort of separation you got the sort of evolution of this sort of new complicated language that meant that yeah like a distinction it's, yeah. like a, it's like quite a quite a barrier between for, for a lot of people to understand obviously not me because I know everything but it's quite a yeah. quite, <laughs> quite a big barrier to understanding a lot of sciences maybe it's a personal thing i'm thinking maybe like hearing this it sounds like a personal thing about it so people can actually relate to it like it's a relation factor of yeah. i can relate to it because it's me like i like oh maybe like i found that or maybe it's the thing of like oh it's just another smart person i can never be but wait no maybe that could actually be me finding yeah. something along yeah. those lines or discovering this or writing about this i think it's that whole connectivity that 
sometimes we miss in science and we need you're absolutely right we do need more of that yeah and i think as soon as you say i did this you start to it becomes a narrative and i think that's how yeah. we connect with a lot of the world around us yeah absolutely it's story form yeah. that, that people won't want to know the science they don't want the autobiography they want the science <laughs> that's what's really <laughs> going on wow a little so, column a little column b yeah that's true that's true you do want your name on it though i get that 100 <laughs> percent, you do want that um sure I mean, yeah uh, shoot, I've been in the middle of it too right now and uh, doing a research paper on crocodilians at the moment. So that's been a cool. fun fact. Yeah, we've been because uh, I care for them at a sanctuary. So when even wow. here in Arizona where I'm at in Phoenix in the U.S., we uh, our winters still somewhat get cool and water temperature. So how do you care for them at a wildlife sanctuary? We have about 50 or so crocodilians at this point of alligators all the way to Niles to Chinese alligators, like Cubans. How do we care for hatchlings all the way to adults in the desert winter? So that's a research paper going on right now, since I'm one of the few people who actually can do that here in the yeah. desert. So. You do it in comic format. I'm okay. debating whether or not to do that. Oh, I don't want to say too much. But... Oh, okay. No, sorry. I don't want to put you on the spot there. No, you're good. <laughs> but you, but you <laughs> should. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, trust me, you guys are a big inspiration for that right now. <laughs> so, Wait, how do you how do you overwinter them? Do you have to just let them slow down? Do they do they they don't hibernate, do they? Uh, brumation, so it's like that hibernation esque sort of thing. They eat only once every two weeks. Wow. Uh, yeah, and so it's involving a whole lot of heaters. It involves a whole lot of insulation, uh, yeah. nursery tubs. It involves uh, water <gasps> changes. Can you get those blankets huh? like a, like a blanket with a little sleeves? Can you get those? Uh, we kind of actually in a way. Yes, we could. <laughs> Uh, but it, it like so much of it changes with them and how you actually can like as a sanctuary, you know, you're not rolling around in money. So yeah. how does one do that when you're on a budget and using a whole lot of heat, like a heat stick? But what do you use to make a um, PVC pipe heater that's protected that can go into the water that they can bite the hell out of and not oh, destroy? Oh yeah, it? <laughs> yeah, it yeah. doesn't electrocute them. Yes. Oh, that too. Yeah, that's a huge part of it and making sure checking and. What it means at nighttime versus daytime and the feeding patterns and by this a whole lot of it. So people can stay tuned for that. That's gonna be yeah. coming up here in the next few months. Nice. What is it? What is brumation again? I I do I remember I worked on this funny little um project for children's BBC, which mm. was science and it was about one of mine was called What Would Happen If I Turned Into a Lizard. Oh, <laughs> It's like really sing us the song. Sing us the song. Right. Uh, oh, the other one was what? What would happen if the if the world was flat? So I was kind of covering lizards and flat Earth at the same time. So I was into sort of conspiracy. <laughs> That's a deep <laughs> hole. What was that? What's the difference between that and hibernation again? Uh, hibernation. So it's this mostly is going to be sleeping. So when brumation goes, the animal's still awake. They're still able to move, but they don't move as much. So they move very, very little throughout the day. You're not going to see too much of hunting patterns at all, depending on the animal. Uh, you're not going to see too much of gathering to, at all. You're going to see it mostly just relaxation. They're not going to come after you. They're going to be watching, of course, and be defensive if need to be. But hmm. they're awake and they're just like the body like, it goes. It's, a re it's like a relaxing Sunday day. You know, you Aww. just don't want to get up and start moving. That's really what it is. They can't, they don't have it. So they're not burning as much calories due to that. They're kind of saving it up to stay warm or saving it up due to for future expert uh, use. That's like us Brits in the winter, isn't it? And kind of <laughs> yeah, with the heat storing our calories. I'm like literally going to be at my desk with a duvet around me, trying oh, to yeah. stay warm. <laughs> 
staring at, I'm going to be staring at my screen, not moving my hands at all, not not even not working, just looking. Oh, I guess I'll shuffle off to bed. <laughs> I I should make it clear. I did. I was with you guys a little bit. We I, was, I grew up in Illinois for 16 years, where we'd get like Ooh. about 10 inches of snow and negative 20 degree. And I was a foolish kid who did Boy Scouts and would go camping in negative 20 degree weather oh, in a tent. No. So, yeah, to, to learn survival skills and to adapt to and learn nature and, uh, yeah, and freeze. Instead of at least. I think over here, most of our survival skills are grumbling about it. That's how we do it. We do that here, too. No, Don't go out of cell. If there's one thing Americans are good at, it's grumbling these days, okay? We know that for a fact. <laughs> oh, shaboy. But, so you guys, are, you guys were working on this, um, and... Where can they find your guys' book, though, currently? Because there's some new developments with it, because it was a webcomic at a certain point, and there's some new things that happened. Yeah, I mean, it was really interesting. When we first started on the, on Chapter 1, we were having sort of conversations with James Devlin, the colorist and designer for it all, and Charlie Adlard, who was the artist on Chapter 1 and designed all the characters. It was like, how do we do it on Webtoons? Because obviously most people do it with like a singular strip where you scroll up. And actually, because we're quite, I was going to say a bunch of old parts, but basically. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> no, I wasn't including And everybody you. hated you ever since. <laughs> Some unknown reason. She was excluded from the project. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like the idea of like having been able to print it and being able to have like, you know, sort of a, a, a not the sort of scrolling up version. So. So when we did, when we, I mean, I'm not sure if it did this much favors on webtoons, not having that scrolling up, but but the, the plan was always it would be really nice for the young people for the team to have something to hold in their hands, like a you know. Mm. So so we after the after it finished, we went back to a couple of the funders and said, look, can we can have you got please, sir? Can we have some more to um, <laughs> do the print edition and play play the designers and stuff? So and then finding a publisher. I mean, what was interesting because with the comic work with Joe Muggs, who's like a music journalist in the UK, brilliant, brilliant music journalist, to help us curate people to, to do playlists for each of the chapters. So each of the chapters has a brilliant musician, DJ, producer, who has done an hour-long playlist to go with um, uh, yeah, each chapter, and they're from the UK, South Africa and India. And what, um, what we thought was that we would do interviews, so that the comic, the, the print comic has got interviews from all musicians about what their experience was like during the pandemic. Oh. So we went to a, a music publisher actually called Velocity Press. Um, and the guy there who runs it was just brilliant and said, yep, absolutely, we'll, um, we'll publish this for you. Um, and so, yeah, it went for that was the sort of music connection link. Um, and yeah, it's, 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 it's available in the UK. We've got a distributor in the UK um, but if you, you can buy it anywhere else in the world, but you have to go through the Velocity Press website, but they will send it, they'll post it anywhere in the world. Um, Very nice. So okay. It's still free to read on Webtoons. You can access it for free, but um, if you want to. If you like the feel of paper in your hands. I love the feel of paper in my hands. Oh, same. <laughs> yeah, it's it's true. I do love, I do, I, I just love that. It was so funny. We, were, I was, we went away on holiday for the first time in a long, long time in the summer. And I like, I just couldn't, I was really rubbish at packing. I was like overpacked, but I, I put so many comics in my suitcase. Really? I weighed it and he's like, this is just, you know, this is like three weight because he's filled with comics. And I sat there with this 
pile of comics around me going what's going to stay and what's going to go and it was really 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 hard but that like that, that I, what I really enjoyed was was sort of just sitting there you know reading the paper comic um yeah. Well, they're bad travel travel companions because the the weight to the weight to time spent ratio is not it's not mm. good for the suitcase. It's true, and then you got to carry it all around once you finish it too. Yeah. You're like, man, I already finished this. I wish I could go in the library, but instead I got to carry it around for my whole trip now. <laughs> but you're not only wrong. comics that you hate. Yeah, yeah. any just, comics I hate. Just jettison them. You know, if you if you've got comics that you want to read, but you think I probably won't hang on to this afterwards. Maybe hate is a bit strong. You got a comic that you want to read, and you think I might not hang on to this. I might just uh, pass it on, and you can uh, leave it leave it in a hotel. That's true. Or, uh... <laughs> That's true. I mean, I people may think I, I hate certain books, or not not hate as it's a strong word, but like dislike certain books. But I'm one where I only have a certain amount of room in my library, so I have to purge every now and then. So mm-hmm. I give them out to people who are my fellow comic book fans that are like fellow officers of mine, and we work with them and do get I give them books and they have books for their kids. So I'm like, you know what? Share the wealth of comics. Yeah. It's not because you don't like it; it's because some of mine enjoyed and not, didn't really want to give up. But you know, share yeah. the good stories. There's levels of preciousness. Yes, Let's absolutely. Let's put it that way. There's some books that I that I really love, but I can't hang on to because I don't have the space, and they're just not not quite as precious as other comics that I have. Now I got a question for you guys, though. It's, yeah. it's it's kind of an odd one, hardcover or paperback uh, trade paper, trades for uh, comics. I mean, well, I uh, just to just to plug my last book. <laughs> Shameless <laughs> plug. No. Well, actually, it's not available in the states, so it doesn't really matter. But oh. <laughs> uh, never mind. But it's uh, it's a book called Livestock, and I wanted to. It sort of it's uh, like a satire on um, politics and popular culture, and um, it's I wanted to look like a magazine. And the the publisher that, that it was for, they really they really loved hard like a nice sort of hardback coffee table graphic novel, and I had to really push to have it in paper so it looked more like a magazine. And it's um, I, I think it was you know, and also to make it slightly cheaper, so it's it it kind of looks a bit more disposable i think but it means that when i when i carry them to cons they're a lot lighter (laughs) yeah (laughs) there's that that i I would agree with that i mean i because they're cheaper and also they're lighter i i would i would say paperback yeah yeah carrying loads of stuff in your bag i am and and also eco-friendly too if i think uh paperbacks are more eco-friendly than hardcover i don't know they must be You'd think so, right? I heard somewhere that they're not, and I was like, that doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> like, Wait, so what was the right answer then? Was it paperback or hardcover? I was just curious because there's a whole comic book debate going on right now, <laughs> that, and I was I wanted to get some outside opinion, so I just I was very curious. I had this whole conversation uh, about hardcover versus paperback comic books with one of my other officers. Shout out to you, Andy, uh, at the animal <laughs> job, and he and he was just saying like, oh wait, no. Which one is this hardcover paperback? But yeah, I've been hearing it too from people. So I just kind of want to get some other creators' opinions on it. I think if you, if you find like a really fancy, it's going to be quite fancy to have a hardcover. I think you can have something that's you know nice and embossed, and it's got some spot varnish and you know fancy bits on. Some fancy it's true. I think that's uh, that's special. But then you get to but, a science book, a book on education or science, and you're just like, it's got to be. You kind of want to want it to be hardcover. Yeah, so it's like so to protect the yeah. knowledge. Absolutely. I got one recently. Uh, I got it shipped over. And it took a while to get to. 
from you guys' neck of the woods, actually, Dr. David Hone put a book out, How Fast the T-Rex Run, is what it's called Ooh. in the States. And I don't know what it's called here as the neck of the woods. Uh, they changed the name for the States for some unknown reason. I don't know. Americans were lower education. But the uh, thing about true. that, <laughs> uh, so I just got that, and I was like, it's a hardcover. I didn't know if it was going to be paperback. But I was like, you know what? It kind of fits it being a hardcover because it's all about paleontology and the mm. future of you know what? Yeah, this is pretty good. <laughs> Gives it gravitas, doesn't it? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, a little bit. Oh, well, I guess, Ed, and I probably the email came to you guys. We'd be doing about 30 minutes or so. I don't want to take too much of your guys' time because for you guys, it's a little bit later in the night. So um, where by chance could people find you, Hannah and Sarah, on social media? Uh, uh, very, very, very bad at Twitter. But I, I am a, a lurker on there, um, <laughs> on Twitter. Um, and then I've got uh, my Wow Bagger Productions is my uh, company website. Um, but yeah. Cool. Oh, yeah, there you go. Oh, yeah, sorry. Um, you still Hannah? Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Yep. Yo, I know, I'm still here. No, this is weird. Just wait. <laughs> We're just doing the polite thing and just letting you go next. <laughs> Um, so I'm uh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram as at uh, Streak of Pith, uh, S T R E A K O F P I T H, because I thought that was funny. Um, and uh, I've I've got a website hannahberry.co.uk which sort of says where I'm going to be if I'm doing any events or anything. If uh, if you want to come and see me and say hello. Um, oh, nothing in the states though. Nothing coming up. So if anyone wants to invite no. me to the states and then, and then come visit me, then that would be great. Uh, um, yeah. Otherwise, just just a bit, bit like Sarah, I suppose, just lurking on Twitter. Fair. I mean, that's the best way to survive on Twitter is to be a lurker. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, you don't really want to do too much interactions because then it's just game over at that point. Yeah, I know. When you start in, when you start interacting, and people react, and then you know thoughts are had, yeah. shots are fired. Yep, absolutely. And he, yep, you just you got to have it uh, afterwards drink because you're like, man, people are ruthless on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> you know, everything you say has to be with uh, with a disclaimer as well. You know, you have to say if you if you say I uh, I really love my cat, but I also love my other my tortoise and I love other animals equally, and I also love that uh, you know people the people that don't have animals, I, I you know appreciate that too, and it's it's a personal choice to have an animal, but I do love my cat, but. Yeah, that sounds about right. I post, yeah, oh, I post a lot of pictures of my crocodilians I care for and then sometimes Aww. stuff from the animal job. And I get a lot of flack for that. Uh, really? People message me and stuff. Come oh, on, absolutely. why? What's yeah, I, <laughs> it's a lot of things. Um, a lot of people <laughs> are very judgmental on animals these days, and oh, especially no. exotic animals here. So it's like, yeah, I'm gonna, I got the block button ready to go. <laughs> Boy. Is it somebody once I got a message once from somebody and this is a true story. Uh I was I posted a picture, it was one of the teenager ones actually, and I, I think it was more or less. Um kiddo from uh, Mexico. Mm -hmm. and, and somebody said to me, uh, like, Oh, the only good croc is the one that make a pair in the boots. And I'm like, Well, I'm blocking you. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <Come> <laughs> You obviously have no idea how much they affect an ecosystem, so boop, no. Yeah, what a thing to someone who's, who's dedicated their life to looking after these things. Yes! Yeah. <laughs> Twitter! Twitter ahoy! Oh, boy. I'd like to say yeah. that to someone who's showing pictures of their dogs, or, you know, like a like a, a house pet. 
you know. Yeah. So, you know, I, 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 I like what you've done there, but I wish your animal was dead and on my feet, you know. Oh, they do do that too. That, <laughs> that is a thing. I've seen that as well. Uh, I do. Uh, one of the jobs is the ambulance is a crime investigation. So I've, I've had to see some social media posts that people made threats because they did stuff and that whole thing. I'm like, wow, can we just, can we just be happy with them? <laughs> it's, come on. Oh. Too much to ask. I'm like, come on, I'll give you a good comic book. <laughs> just sit down and enjoy, <laughs> enjoy something. Yeah. Oh, good. <laughs> enjoying, um, any comedy Twitter I kind of like at the moment. There's this really good, I don't know if you've seen Fesshole. Yes, I love it. Like what is what is that? Like anonymous confessions, and that's really funny. And there's, oh. there's, I think there's God. God's one of them that I'm quite enjoying. So God's just judging, being judgy. Yeah. Yep. So like, I'm kind of I'm I'm trying to get more comedy feeds on my Twitter, so I can just chuckle a bit. About, am I the asshole? I quite like that one. <laughs> you know that one? That's a good one. That is a good one. Yeah. Oh, see, all you got to do is trick the algorithm. Be like, I want to be happy, algorithm. What's going on here, Twitter? <laughs> well, mine knows that I don't. <laughs> it's just giving me the slurry of despair. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, thank you, ladies, for coming on. This has been an absolute blast having you guys on to talk about everything and to actually talk about science. I don't get to talk about it too much here on the podcast, so it's actually kind of nice. <laughs> a, little, a little break. It's lovely to be here. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Of course. Now, I wish you luck, and I do wish you guys uh, for how whatever may come next, too, in the future for you, because in, we both know in, in science and in the arts, you never know what's next. You never know, yeah. And good luck with your, your uh, crocodile comic. Sweet, crocodile. thank Cro you. Crocodilio? Crocod what was the term? Uh, the crocodilians in Desert Winter. Crocodilians. But if it does, if we do make it into a comic, I will send you guys uh, the emails Ooh. to it, and I'll send you guys some free copies. So don't worry. Yeah. About Yes, please. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, thank you guys. And you guys enjoy the rest of your night, okay? Thank you. You too. Or your day, I suppose. Thank you. <laughs> My day, yeah. <laughs> it's a long day. <laughs> thank you. <laughs>